to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And everybody, I hope you had a great holiday weekend. Of course, 4th of July tomorrow, but the celebrating has started. And with us here in studio tonight, we've got Rudy Washington, uh, former deputy mayor. Rudy, have you been uh, Have you been celebrating already? Not yet, Rita. I see I'm you have some Snickers to... in front of you, so yes, that's a good sign. Yes, some, a nice lady brought that for me. Thank you. Well, only a few, <laughs> for, just for you. And Peter King, how are you doing? How's your holiday going, Congressman? It was going great until I ran into Vito here. Now I'm starting to worry about what's going on. You know? ah, it's going to all go downhill from here. Vito Fisella, Staten Island Borough President, also in studio. Thank you. It's great to be here, and especially with uh, Peter's grandson, Jack. Which yes. Is the, the, the other one, the one who the uh, King's Highway is really named That's after, exactly right? right? Okay, right. of course. Oh, we're glad to, to have Jack here in studio. And joining us, John is getting a sort of kind of rare day off, if you will, even though John Katz has been busy as heck. Uh, he was all over Fox Business today. And, uh, and John... I had to have you on and join us. Sorry to bother you on a rare day off with your family there. But, John, my goodness, you were mad as heck talking about the prices of New York and the price of business in New York these days and what a mess we're in. Well, Rita, what what they're not telling us is, uh, you know, uh, some of the national chains are having a very lot of difficult problems. Uh, Walgreens announced today that they're closing 150 stores, probably 90 of them in the New York area. And uh, they're saying they're having, uh, uh, what do they call it, shrink. You know what they they won't tell you? It's not shrink. They're, they're having shoplifting problems. They're, their stores are being wiped out in, in California. They're being wiped out in Chicago. They're being wiped out in New York. And, and that is the problem. And then uh, the Fox lady says the manufacturers have said that uh, the retailers are making too much money. And that's when I said they're full of crap. You know, it's the retailers are lucky to be in business right now. Uh, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're getting uh, shoplifted left and right. It, it's happening. The retailers are not making money. The manufacturers have raised the prices so high, and they refuse to reduce them because they're not sure the interest rates are the highest ever. And I said, uh, Chairman Powell, better reduce the interest rates. Otherwise, we're going to bankrupt the country. They're going to bankrupt the real estate industry. And then the banks have stopped lending. And, uh, and, and Saudi Arabia and Russia was announced a couple of days ago. They made a new deal. They want, they want $85, $90 oil. So what happens is the manufacturers, the manufacturers saying, we're not going to lower prices. Suppose the prices go back up, even though there's $68,000 a barrel today, and, and gasoline is a dollar cheaper than it was last 4th of July. They're scared. They're scared that something is going to affect them. What say you guys? Yeah, Peter King, uh, what say you? Peter, by the way, wrote a very explosive uh, comment on Facebook, big post, where you're just, you just feel like it's now or never really for New York City, Pete. Yeah, like John. I mean, I, I like Eric Adams personally. I've uh, met him a number of times. I was hoping that because he was a, a, a cop, because he uh, stressed uh, you know, the war on crime as being so important, and because he was willing to stand up to some of the woke people in his party, 
that he would be a good mayor, but so far he's not producing. A lot of talk, no real results. I mean, you get into talking about how God has selected you and that type of thing, you know, living the good life. All that is okay in the beginning when you're trying to sort of maybe get some uh, uh, publicity for yourself, but now when the city is getting worse every week, literally getting worse every week in every respect, it's time for him to get the job done. And he's the one who was welcoming in all the illegal, uh, illegal immigrants. Now we can't afford them. Couldn't afford them from the start. We can't afford them. Yeah, exactly, Eight million dollars yeah. a yeah, day, exactly, Pete. Yeah. So no, there's just there's so many deficiencies. It's, it's time right now. I think this could uh, really almost end his mayoralty if he doesn't turn things around in the next few months. Because I think people are no longer taking him seriously. Vito. And the, and the other thing, but one more thing, Rita, the other thing that people are not telling anybody, and Beto, uh, you're in a position of uh, being borough president. I understand the last 12 months, the budget, uh, what they're expecting to take in, is down 20%. And, and New York State has raised their budget up to $240 billion. New York City has raised their budget at $107 billion. At what point do they tell us that, that New York City, New York State is going to blow up? Do they tell us after the election? You, you know, the old saying is denial ain't just a river in Egypt, right? And we're seeing all these things across the economic spectrum, across the crime spectrum. People are just getting up and leaving uh, the city and state. Uh, for the first time, it was reported that six states in the South uh, have exceeded the contributions of the national GDP of the Boston to uh, Washington corridor. That includes New York. So. All these things point to a problem. And listening to John's voice, who's been on the front lines of, of retail for 50 years in the city, you can hear the passion and anger and, and worry and concern over where things are going. And unless we have some great people, we unfortunately in New York City, we have some of the greatest people in the world, some of the smartest, some of the most successful. We need to listen to those people, get those people empowered, get those people moved to take the city back. Is it doable? Yes. But at this current rate, it's moving in a bad direction. Yeah, and and uh, John, do me a favor. Stay with us, John, because I want to bring in uh, New York City Councilman Bob Holden, who's also joining the show now. Uh, Councilman, you just heard all of us. I, I, it seems like we're on the precipice here. What's your thoughts? It, it certainly looks very, very gloomy. And uh, you got a full house there, but a lot of common sense in the studio. And that's what we need in New York City, but we're not seeing it. We're not seeing it on any level in the city council, certainly, uh, except for the Common Sense Caucus. There are eight of us, but out of 51, we're in trouble, folks. Hey, Bob, this is Pete uh, King. Do you see any, cha- any, any hope for change in November? No, I, I, maybe a couple of spots. Um, Charles Barron is not going to be there, mm-hmm. thankfully. Um, Richardson Jordan is not going to be there, thankfully, because, um, again, they were the, probably the two far they were so far left. They were communists, obviously, but um, there's it's still not going to change. Really, it's not going to move the needle and we're in trouble. And, you know, we had five kids shot in five days in New York City and the council's really now doing more anti-police uh, rhetoric and more and more, you know, five or six bills that are coming down that are going to tie the hands of the police even further. Yeah, Councilman, tell us about the bills. By the way, this is really stunning. Uh, a big headline today in The Post. And uh, we were talking about it with uh, with John earlier. This is, I mean, New York police, basically, the city council is basically going to overburden them. Even like the small minor encounters, now they have to do the paperwork. They don't even have enough cops as it is, especially on subways or anywhere. And then suddenly the city council, I'm sure I would hope you're not for this, but this is like burdening the cops, making their jobs even more difficult, Councilman Holden. Yeah, the worst bill is by uh, public advocate Germani Williams. Um, that's intro 586A. 
where he's going to require the police to report, to file reports on every stop. Right now, only on level three stops do they, re- do make, a, do they make a report. Uh, he wants to do level one, level two. So if you're, let's say that you see an accident, 14 people witness it. Um, you, you ask them if they saw it, they say yes or no, they saw part of it. He wants them to do reports on those 14 people. Now they make three, the police make 3.5 million level one stops a year. He's asking for at least 3.5 million more police reports. And at the hearing, we had that's in insane. March. That is insane. Yeah. They, they, they we don't I have thought. enough police as it is. We want them to be pencil pushers. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's what I, I and I thought it was the end of it after the, the police said we can't do that. And they, you know, in March they they had the hearing and <clears> the bill is coming through for a vote. Uh, Rudy Washington has a question for you, Deputy Mayor, former Deputy Mayor. Yeah, Councilman, um, when uh, the Obama administration took over the police department of New Orleans, uh, one of the complaints from the police officers were we have more police officers in the precinct than we have on the street uh, doing paperwork. You know, and and what what is it going to do to the bureaucracy of New York City? What good is all those reports? Who's going to read them? What's going to happen? Who's going to read them? What it's going to do to the safety of New York? I mean, police. No, but what's going to happen, the police are not going to engage because they can't afford to do that. They would never be out on patrol. They'd be making reports or doing reports. This is insane. And Jamani Williams, of all people, came up with this. But I can't believe the city council is advancing these bills. That's well, amazing. I, I want to bring in um, John Katsimatidis. Uh, John, your reaction real quick to this, because this is like you are such a supporter of the Police Athletic League and law enforcement. I'm a supporter of the New York Police Foundation, too, uh, New York, and the uh, Federal Law Enforcement Foundation. And uh, let me tell you something. If somebody doesn't respect our men in blue, our, our, our civil servants are trying to keep safety in the streets, then, you know, have you seen those statistics? Uh, San Francisco is down to 31% of the people. Uh, Chicago, uh, almost 50% are gone. I mean, New York, the, the, the exodus continues. I, I mean, the retailers are closing. And then on top of everything, they want to put congestion pricing. They'll, 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 they'll put the nails in the coffin of New York City. I mean, enough is enough, guys. And I've talked to the, uh, uh, the PBA and the PBA, uh, the new president, pa- uh, I forget his name, Patrick Henry, Henry. But we're calling him Patrick Henry. <laughs> let's, call him, yeah. let's call him Patrick Henry because All we right. need Patrick Henry to do the job that Patrick Henry did in 1776 and, and, and get our country going. We now need our city. And if our city is not cleaned up, but, but this, for the city council, this November, we've had it. We've had it. It's all uh, gone. It's all I, done. I'll say to my former Congress people next to me, I've seen enough from Jemani Williams to know that he's undermining Adams and he plans to run for mayor. That's a prediction. Yeah, at the expense of the city. <laughs> at the expense, uh, at the of, the expense of everybody. I, I, Councilman Holden, your reaction? Uh, on Jemani Williams living on an army base, Elizabeth Foreign Hamilton, he doesn't need security. The rest of us do. Um, this is, again, these, these are a bunch of insane bills. I, we have to have some moderate city council members step forward. There are some moderates, but they always vote with the majority. We have to change that. This is, the, this is a really 
a very, very serious time in New York City. We can go either way. And, and, and we Council have to Mayor, bring it back. What about congestion pricing? <laughs> How's that, that going to help that'll us? Tip, that'll tip it. That'll that'll make everything. First of all, we, you talked about um, you know retail. That'll push a lot of retail outlets out of here. Yeah, and John that'll just talked the about the stunning numbers. The yes, that'll be the final nail in the coffin. Vito Fisella. By the way, Vito, before you also talked right before the show, we were talking. You were telling me about this story of how bad homelessness is in Staten Island. Well, it's homelessness, but and then it's a, this uh, this issue with me- people with mental illness. You know, we see it on subway platforms where people are left unfettered and and unchecked. And what do they do? They act out and they push somebody in the in the platform. And we see some of this thing across the city, including Staten Island. And Councilman Holden represents an area that's very similar to a lot of pockets on. Staten Island, thanks for being a voice of reason in the city council, councilman. Uh, I, I think the message is really what? The message is we need to protect the people of the city. Who's on board with that? Who's not? And those who are not, we have to figure out a way to, to put them on the sidelines. Yeah, vote, vote them out. Vote them out, push them out, support those who want to keep New York City and New York City residents safe. That yeah, should be the number one issue. Your thoughts, councilman? And, and again, you know, what what we have to do is bring common sense back. And that's why I'm looking to expand the Common Sense Caucus, which we formed in 2021. We have eight members, but we are a force. But this November, there are a few seats up for grabs. We really have to push, and your station is doing the most for this, to push the common sense candidates forward. Uh, otherwise, we're going to lose New York City. Absolutely. And by the way, the head of our Common Sense Caucus is John Katsimatidis. Uh, John, your final thoughts. My final thoughts is, uh, you know, we've lost, I, I don't know, the Democrats, and I've talked to Eric Adams when he first became mayor, and I told him he has to be the leader of the pack of the Democratic cities, because the Democratic cities are dying. And I talked to Anthony Weiner this morning, and I don't understand, uh, you know, because he, he says, well, how about, the, how about the GOP cities? I said, the GOP cities are not that bad. Uh, San Francisco, Chicago. Baltimore, I understand Baltimore, you're going to start rolling up the sidewalks. Uh, I mean, you want that to happen in New York, too? I mean, something's going wrong. The common sense Americans have to finally realize enough is enough. Yeah, 1,000 percent. And by the way, this weekend in Baltimore, it was like 20 wounded, four killed at a block party. One block party, 28 wounded. I mean, unbelievable. Uh, John, thank you. We love you. We appreciate you joining us on your day off and see you back here in studio with us tomorrow. Okay, I'm signing off and I'll be listening to you on the uh, on on my AM radio. Awesome. The best place to be listening. Uh, Thank you, John. We love you. Enjoy your day. Happy Fourth, John. Thank you. And thank you. And Councilman Holden, thank you so much for being with us. And you keep up the great fight for New York City. Thank you, Rita. And thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. And everybody, stick with us. When we come back, we're going to talk about what's going on in the border. Bob Unanway of Goya Foods and also Congressman Anthony Esposito. You definitely don't want to miss this. You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. John is enjoying kind of half a day off. He was just with us, of course, talking about, sadly, what's been happening with retail in New York City. And there are problems all over this country. One of the biggest things is at our U.S. southern border. And there is a brand new film that is coming out tomorrow. It's called The Sound of Freedom. I looked at the trailer this weekend. 
it is so emotional. It is so powerful. And it's basically about child trafficking in America, which has certainly risen uh, with our wide open southern border. And joining us now to talk about this uh, and this really important issue and this film that already uh, there are like more than a million tickets, I think, that have been bought, which is bravo because it's such an important topic. The movie is called Sound of Freedom. And the president and CEO of the great patriotic Goya Foods, our dear friend Bob Yunanway, now joins us here on Cats and Cosby. Bob, uh, bravo to you. And first of all, uh, any message you want to say for Fourth of July? Well, you know, the, the sound of freedom, uh, uh, Rita. Uh, it coincidentally, the trailer, the latest trailer, shows they're singing "My Country Tis of Thee," of thee and it's about freedom, and it's about freeing these children from this slavery. There's uh, the goal is to reach two million tickets at least, which represent the two million children who are trafficked every year, and maybe way beyond that. It is the largest criminal enterprise in the world with over $150 billion in uh, profits from trafficking, not only trafficking our children, but mutilating them also. I mean, we are in a spiritual war. It's what is happening. Uh, You know, the the Holy Spirit, which uh, (laughs) when I was in the White House a few years ago, I used the word blessed. And around that time, with, and those words were put on my lips by the Holy Spirit. Around that time, they were also out with this film, um, The Sound of Freedom, starring Jim Caviezel, about Tim Ballard, about this real-life person who goes in and rescues children. And that was the impetus to create uh, Goya Cares, because awareness is so important. You know, Tim Ballard could save many children, but the story getting out there, the awareness, is what is going to be crucial to um, saving th- these children. It's it's such an important thing. How bad has it gotten also, Bob Yunanway, with the border? Um, you know, you're based there in Houston. Um, how bad with our wide open border? Um, because the cartels are the ones profiting. And that's why I'm so glad you're shining a light on this, because these kids um, are such innocent victims. And what happens to them, it's horrible. Yeah, you know, I, I hate to say it, but it's almost like we're complicit with this. We're, we're This administration is allowing this to uh, happen. You know, the children are being uh, trafficked, adults. You know, the, the the Gulf cartel alone is an $80 billion business. We could stop this. We can control it. but And we had it under control. Uh, but we unraveled everything that uh, President Trump uh, put into place on the first day with 48 executive orders. And we don't care about the border. You know, we just are, are wide open, but people are suffering. It's open slavery, younger and younger. I mean, you're talking children in the single digits of age, six years old, being trafficked. And of course, uh, older uh, children. It's just, and you know, what Goya, what we did was we uh, sponsored this uh, movie. It was, it was uh, owned by Disney, who bought this other company, I forget who they were, and it was buried. And what we did was we bought it out of Disney. We helped Eduardo Verastegui, who's the producer and and um, the director who is brilliant, uh, 
uh, Alejandro Monteverde, Jim Caviezel, uh, Mira uh, um, Savorn, I forget, I, I just messed up. Sorvino, Sorvino. Sorvino, yeah. Yes. Wonderful and, actress. You know, just the acting in this thing, the, the, uh, the, 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 um, it's a thriller in a way, but it's very hard, but it's very, and then these movies are up against, for example, Barbie and Indiana Jones. But, but did you, know, you see you how many have, tickets were sold, Bob? I was looking before. It's like over like a million tickets. I mean, which is amazing. Rudy Washington, a former deputy mayor, you got a question for Bob Yunanway. Yeah, I just want to say, God, uh, may God bless you, Bob. Um, and I haven't verified this fact yet, but I used to work with a group in the UN on in the, 2017 and 18 on child trafficking. That was before it exploded. But now I'm being told we're number one in the world in trafficking. We are the biggest consumers and Mexico is the biggest provider. How how could that be? What has happened to us as a country? You know, we would have, we would have shining light on the hill. What has happened to us? Well, you know, I think we're caring about ourselves only. The Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself. But we're taking selfies. We're so involved in ourselves. We're not looking. Uh, we're looking only at ourselves. We're not looking at the other person. We have to, like St. Mother Teresa said, we need to bring the children into the center of our care and concern. But that that applies to everybody. You know, we got. we need to care about the other person. If we do that, we can fix a lot of things, but we're so focused on, you know, for example, we've run out of letters to describe what, what sex we are. We've even have, a, we all want flags. We have a map flag. There's a map flag, minor attracted person. So the pedophiles have a flag. Everybody wants to be identified by themselves. And we are creations of God, male and female. And we need to uh, focus on not on self, on the other. We yeah, we're all in this together. Absolutely. Amen. Vito Fasello, uh, borough president yeah, of Staten uh, Island. Bob, good, echo what uh, my good friend Rudy Washington said. God bless you for trying to reveal and shine a light on this tragedy. And to highlight the, that there is evil in this world. And there are evil people doing evil things. And the only way to stop it is to be serious and get them and and prevent them from spreading that evil and not only destroying the love of these children, but the innocence, their lives are destroyed once and for all. So we need to come together. I agree, not just as a city, but as a country to say this is zero tolerance towards any of this. Absolutely. And Bob, we just have a few seconds left. How can people find out about this really important film? You go to angel studios slash freedom. And uh, there's also there's people paying it forward. Like we've have, you can get tickets for free. Uh, just go on there. This is up against Barbie and, and Indiana Jones. You know, you have Candyland, you have fiction. This is real. It's And we need to be aware of this. The only way, you know, Tim Ballard could save a few people, but we can save millions if we are aware and we care about the next person. Absolutely. And Bob, I've been telling everybody to go see it. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you. And boy, are you on such an important mission for, for everybody. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. 
We are a God bless and happy fourth. Thank you. You too. Happy fourth. The great Bob Unanway, CEO of Goya Foods. What a powerful, powerful message. Um, and let's bring in now Congressman Anthony Diaz Bezito. Uh, Congressman, uh, we've got Peter King. We've got Vito Fasella. We got Rudy Washington. Um, you know, we were just talking with Bob Unanway about what's going on at the border. He has this really powerful film called Sound of Freedom about human trafficking uh, that we're the number one consumer. Consumer, wow, and Mexico, the number one deliverer, of course, the cartels. You just got appointed to the task force there uh, with Mexican cartels. Your thoughts? Well, I, I think uh, everything that was said was true. And obviously, as uh, my good friend Peter King, he was the chairman of Homeland Security, uh, you know, the uh, Secretary Mayorkas claims to have operational control of the border. It's just not the truth. He's got no control of the border. And, and those who have control, uh, we've had hearings, we've, uh, we've been through conversations, and the one who's, who has control are the cartels. And that's clear. Uh, we see illegal narcotics coming into our country. We see people getting smuggled into our country. We, so, we see sex trafficking into our country. And uh, it, it is insane when you, when you hear members of, of the, the far left claiming that uh, Republicans and conservatives don't have women's rights at hand, but yet they're okay with cartels uh, smuggling women across this uh, country's border. Uh, it is one of those things where you have, just have to question the world is truly upside down. Ayanti, congratulations on, on your appointment. You're going to do a great job. Now, you've been to the border a number of times, haven't you? I have. I've, uh, I've been there three times now, and uh, each time I go is more eye-opening than the next. I mean, you're, I mean, you're, you're the most active guy I know. How, how many people are talking about uh, immigration, illegal immigration, drugs, all the things that are coming across the border? Is that resonating in our district? No, uh, you're representing used to be my district. You're doing a great job. From what I sense, it's a real issue. But you're, you're a lot closer to it than I am. Yeah, no, listen, Pete, you, uh, you always have a, a, an ear to the ground and a finger on the pulse of the community, and you are 100% right. I mean, we've recently done polls uh, on Long Island and specifically in the, in the districts encompassing the 4th and the 3rd Congressional District, and you know, for, for a long time, or at least during my campaign, uh, the top items that you would see would be pocketbook issues, inflation, cost of living, and obviously coupled with crime. And now we see the border issue and immigration, which, you know, I don't agree should always be coupled together. But right now, the border, the border issue and crime coming over that border, illegal narcotics, is becoming the number one issue of, of people on Long Island. And, and, uh, Congressman, this is Vito Fasella, and uh, I, again, thanks for the job you're doing. I'm curious, what are the number one or two untold stories about what's happening at the border that we're seeing on the mainstream media, but what's really going on down there? So I think one of the things that we see, that, well, at least when you visit the border, is, you know, I, I've had opportunities where I've traveled down there and I've, I've talked to uh, local members of the Chamber of Congress, local business owners who are, who are talking about the fact that their businesses are completely interrupted. I mean, you talk about, uh, you know, here on Long Island, you know, when Main Street is affected by uh, the failed Biden policies, when you talk about Main Street being affected by crime, it's the same thing going on on the southern border. Their, their small businesses, their Main Streets are being uh, affected in such a negative way. I, I speak to administrators in schools along the southern border who, who who say flat out, you know, they do their best to provide the very, the very uh, finest education to the kids that are in those schools. Not only are they struggling for resources, but they're also struggling because three, four, five, six times a day, their school day is being interrupted because we have a gotaway that comes across 
the southern border, and now their entire school day is interrupted. So those are the things that we don't hear. And we, we, you could watch any news station, whether it's Fox, whether it's CNN, whether it's MSNBC, and they show the the insane amount of, of people trying to come across our border. But what they don't talk to is they don't talk to the regular people, the ones whose every day are being affected by the failed policies and the dereliction of duty of Secretary Mayorkas. Well, Congressman Anthony D'Esposito, thank you so much for being here. Bravo on this uh, new appointment. Um, and also, thank you for your service uh, as a former NYPD detective for more than a decade. Uh, great for everything that you do. And thank you. Happy July 4th weekend. Thank you. Happy Independence Day, and everyone stay safe. Take care of yourself, Anthony. Thanks, Pete. Thank you very much. And everybody stay with us when we come back here on Cats and Cosby. Uh, Ambassador John Bolton talking about... That spy station in Cuba, we're going to go a little further south. And also Carl Rove and Miranda Devine talking some new details on the Hunter Biden case. Stay with us. we got a blockbuster show. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back on this 4th of July weekend. Rita Cosby here on Cats and Cosby. John coming back tomorrow enjoying a rare kind of half day off. He is a workaholic, so it's a half day for him, basically. But we continue here in the studio with former New York City Deputy Mayor Rudy Washington, also former New York Congressman Peter King, and also current Staten Island Borough President Vito Fasella. And joining us now is Ambassador John Bolton. Ambassador Bolton, uh, you wrote a really powerful article um, in The Hill saying America can't permit Chinese military expansion in Cuba. This is scary stuff uh, with them building this spy facility and the military talking about beefing up. I mean, they're 90 miles off our U.S. coast. Right. This story has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle with the Purgosian mutiny and Russia and the riots in France and so on. Uh, and and it hasn't really gotten the kind of press attention it should. The, these stories really came from the Wall Street Journal, first on uh, allegations about uh, China building a substantial intelligence gathering facility, and then followed by the, a rather humorous title, a military training facility, as if they don't train their own people in uh, China. And it really harks back to Cold War memories of uh, the Cuban Missile Crisis and, and uh, our efforts to keep the Soviets from using Cuba as a base to, to, to threaten us in a variety of ways during the Cold War. Yeah, it's a scary thing. I think when people like like what you said, uh, when you hear a training facility, like there's no other place for the Chinese to do training. Um, right, how, how convenient. Yeah, how convenient. Um, what was your reaction when you heard that they're planning this? And they seem to also be telegraphing that they're planning. It's almost like they're thumbing their nose because they see an opportunity now with President Biden. He didn't go after them on the spy balloon. I didn't go after them on COVID. I mean, it doesn't say anything really about fentanyl, which is coming from China across our borders. I mean, that that's a major issue. Don't you think they're seeing a track record and we had General Kellogg on our show not too long ago, and he was saying basically there's sort of a narrow window for folks like China and others to act. Well, China, I think, sees an opportunity in this hemisphere. They, they've seen the Biden administration turn away from supporting the opposition in Venezuela. They've seen not not a complete restoration of diplomatic relations, but certainly a policy much closer to the Obama administration favoring Cuba. And I think from China's point of view, 
what better place uh, than to have, in effect, a headquarters in this hemisphere for their their activities than 90 miles away, as you say, but covering really the whole hemisphere. You know, they have been aggressively using what they call their Belt and Road Program uh, to get investments and, and concessions and mineral rights on very favorable terms. Right here in the Western Hemisphere, they're doing it in Africa and Asia as well. But the idea that they're now uh, free to act around this hemisphere uh, just goes completely contrary, literally, to centuries of American foreign policy. Uh, Ambassador, this is Rudy Washington. And last week I was here at the station uh, saying exactly, I'm so happy to hear your voice on this uh, because, you know, I liken it to the Cuban Missile Crisis. Uh, I watched Russia move into Venezuela. We did nothing. They flew... Uh, uh, bombers into Venezuela. We did nothing, which is violation of the, Mon- the Monroe Act. Um, and we've just been quiet. And what they're doing strategically is surrounding us so that if and when they move on Taiwan, there's a direct threat to the homeland, our homeland. Uh, and they're positioning themselves. And you hear zip. I believe Blinken uh, went to uh, China trying to talk them out of this. They knew this was coming. You know, just like they denied the listening station in, in Cuba until they were exposed. They denied the police stations here in America until they were exposed. I mean, so it's to the point I can't believe anything coming out of Washington. But but the stakes are so high. It's amazing yeah. how quiet the rest of the country is. Yeah, they don't seem well, to I get it. Yeah, well, I think it's uh, it's still not widely known. And mm-hmm. as I say, it's been overshadowed by other news. And I understand that. Mutiny in Russia is pretty important, but in the world of uh, China watchers, th- this move, as you say, is very strategic, and it doesn't get really any more threatening to the United States. I mean, uh, th- this is what the Soviet Union did try and do, and we, we we forced them down in the Cuban Missile Crisis and ended up with a deal that basically said to the, to the Soviets, you don't put the military facilities in Cuba, we promise not to overthrow Castro. And People have long said, well, your sanctions against Cuba didn't work. I, I think that's right, in part because they knew there was no credible threat of military force. Now, I'm, I'm certainly not looking for hostilities, but I am looking for a clear message to China. We are not going to accept this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Ambassador John Bolton, uh, Congressman Peter King's got a question. Yeah, John, it's always great to hear you talk. You really, you know, voice of reason. Uh, you say you don't want to take military action, which I fully understand. But if you were back in your role as National Security Advisor, a U.N. ambassador, is there any specific action that you could recommend? Well, you know, Pete, I think the first thing is they need to hear directly that we will take action, as we did multiple times during the Cold War, to prevent this kind of activity going forward. And I think making it clear that the Cuban government itself is now vulnerable. You know, there are a lot of Cuban-Americans who would welcome this policy. I think younger people on the island, uh, you hear this report all the time, even though they they were born after the Castro's uh, left power, are really more against the current regime than we've seen in years. The the potential is there. Uh, And, you know, at a minimum, there are certainly economic things we could do uh, against China to to begin to give them some idea we're not going to tolerate. If need be, we may need to step it up. There are a lot of things on the agenda, but when they come that close to us, with potentially hypersonic cruise missiles that they're training their people on since it's a training facility. You know, it's dangerous stuff. Do you see any desire in this administration to take any action at all? 
I haven't heard anything. And, uh, you know, they've got their own problems now. Their chief negotiator on the Iran nuclear deal has had his security clearance suspended. Uh, very unclear what the facts are there. I don't want to overstate it, but that certainly got my attention. They've, they've got a lot of problems, and I just don't think they have a real strategic vision of how to deal with China. They're so obsessed with getting a climate change deal with China that uh, how to handle the defense of Taiwan, how to prevent this kind of Chinese incursion into our hemisphere uh, just gets a short shrift uh, there. I know this is very aggressive, but it was interesting the way we took out Salamani. Was that his name? Uh, oh, yeah, Soleimani. Soleimani. Yeah, that was a good yeah. hit. Uh, you know, the new guy named in Cuba is Canal. <laughs> we we sent a drone, take him out the same way and have a package ready to go to, uh, you know, support Cuba. I, I think the people would welcome that. And uh, Well, you uh, know, people in the Cold War fully understood that that Soviet threat was real to be that close to the United <laughs> States. And as I say, I, I, I don't know what the. Cuban American community has uh, has been talking about in the past uh, few weeks as this as this story has come out. But I think it's something I hope when Congress comes back after the Fourth of July recess, we get some congressional hearings. Pete, uh, if you were there, I'm sure you'd be uh, raising the temperature level on this and and uh, and get it into the national debate. I I think people would be appalled that uh, that we've been this quiet, this passive, as this Chinese presence in Cuba appears to be growing. I yeah. couldn't agree with you more, John. I really couldn't. Thanks for all your service over the years. You're, you're the best. Yeah, John, uh, thank, thank you. Thank you. you too, Pete. John, thank you so much for being with us and for raising the alarm on this because uh, it needs to be told. It is just, it's so frightening and uh, Americans need to be aware of it. John Bolton, thank you for being with us, John. Glad to be with you. Happy 4th. Thank you. You too, my friend. Thank you so much. Next here, we got a blockbuster show here on this 4th of July weekend. Carl Rove wrote some interesting comments, and he basically said that I think we are at a point in our country's history where people are dying for a generational shift. The party that figures that out has the upper hand next year. And joining us now is the great former a senior advisor to President George Bush, Carl Rove. Carl, great to have you here. Well, thanks for having me follow John Bolton, whom I've known since I was the 21-year-old executive director of the College Republicans, and he was like the 23-year-old research director of the Republican National Committee. Oh, so he was the mature, he was the older guy at that time, right? He was the older guy. He was the senior statesman, and I was the young punk, so yeah. (laughs) A lot of great history. And by the way, we have Pete King in the studio, we got Vito Fasella, and we got Rudy Washington. You got it from all directions. (laughs) Do, Do you have law enforcement standing by to restrain King if he gets out of control? <laughs> no, but we have something better. We have his grandsons who's in studio, Jack, so he's on good behavior because of that. We don't need a, a law enforcement today. Yeah, they get thrown out the window. Carl, it's always great to hear your words of warmth and endearment. So, anyway. <laughs> Thank God you have your grandson there. Remember, you're setting an example. For God's sake, back your age. That's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping maybe it'll put some maturity into him, right? Exactly. <laughs> We're having a lot of fun. You know, you know, Carl, this is a, your your comments were interesting. Are you basically saying that what it's not time for Trump? It's not time for Biden. Find somebody new. Well, look, it, 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 about uh, better than six out of ten or seven out of ten people in America would prefer to have another choice. And, and, and I want you to step back for a minute and think about this. It's 1960. We have an admirable president, Dwight D. Eisenhower, led the country to victory in Europe, commanded the D-Day invasion, and a good man and a good president. 
but he was born in the 19th century. And in 1960, the American people said, you know what? We want to pick from one of the young veterans of the Pacific Theater in World War II, the 41-year-old John F. Kennedy, or I think the 44-year-old Richard Nixon. And for the, and we, the country picked Kennedy. And for the next 32 years, we were governed by men from the greatest generation. Uh, Kennedy, Johnson, Nixon, Ford, Carter, Reagan, and finally George H.W. Bush, who was an 18-year-old Navy pilot at the beginning of World War II. And then in 1992, after 32 years of being governed by men from the greatest generation, we picked a baby boomer, Bill Clinton. And for the last 32 years, since 1992, we, next year we will have been governed for 32 years by somebody from the baby boomer generation, or in the case of Joe Biden, from the generation before the baby boomers. And, and looking at the country, we have a, a potential, the front runners are a 78, will be 78 year old Republican and an 80, nearly 82 year old Democrat. And I think the country's looking at that and saying, you know, is that the best we can do? Although, although let me, more. let me, Carl, throw this out yeah. back at you because uh, sure. to me, there's a big difference um, between um, obviously not as much in age and numbers, but I have to be honest with the acuity of a Trump yeah. versus a oh, Biden. Sure. I mean, Biden mm-hmm. didn't know that we're Russia's at war with Ukraine. He was confused with Russia and Iraq the other day. Vito's shaking his head. I mean, it was one of those. And then he gets off the interview with MSNBC and he's like, uh, which way it was like Abbott and Costello? Which way do I go? Where do I go? I mean, I mean, Vito, it was amazing to see that. You know, and, and Carl's the, one of the most astute political observers. So uh, I think he's maybe onto something. I and, thought Pete was. I thought Pete was uh, a few moments ago. No, Peter never was. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> we're, we're having way I'm too much alone, fun. Am I? I'm not alone. <laughs> we're building a chorus over Ouch. here. <laughs> uh, but I do think, you know, one of the benefits of being back in office is I get to, you know, one of the things Peter I know used to do is go to the schools and see these young people and the kids today, you know, the expression, oh, the kids today, the kids today are great. They really want to do well. They're, 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 they're smart. They want to work hard. They want to be productive. So maybe there is something to be said about younger people looking for for a different path forward. So I don't know what call. Yeah. Is there some attribute or something that sort of speaks to it other than historically? I think most people didn't know what you just said. I think it's very interesting. Is there some type of thing or things that that give you this this reason for your um, you know advice here? Well, well, one, one thing is, is the generation's tip. We, the generation that follows the baby boomers now outnumbers the baby boomer generation. Remember, the baby boomers were, you know, are, the, the, the earliest baby boomers are now, you know, approaching 80. And so we now have the next generation, which, you know, grew up in the, you know, 70s, and excuse me, the 80s and the 90s, the 70s, the 80s and 90s, born in the 70s, but grew up in the 80s and 90s at the earliest. I mean, they've got a different experience. And I think what the country does periodically is it says we face difficult, we come to a moment where we face new and difficult challenges, and we feel better if we have younger leaders who are capable of providing the sustained, uh, you know, efforts that we need on our behalf. And I think the country feels that today. They feel like, you know what, you've done, you've been great. Thank you, baby boomers. You've given us 32 good years. But really, frankly, it's time to give the younger group a chance to lead our country and to, and, and it would be nice to have somebody who could lead us through the next eight years, I think, is what, what's underneath it all. Yeah, Carl, on, I, I, on, on a serious note, I was going to say, probably uh, one of the most memorable lines of John Kennedy was, the torch has been passed to a new generation. 
And I, right. I agree with you. You know, we do need that. Listen, I'm in the category that wouldn't be able to run for anything if I wanted to. I'm 79 now. But having said that, even though I'm, I'm young at heart, Carl, don't get any ideas. But anyway, oh, seriously. Yeah. In fact, some say you're too young at heart. <laughs> Not, yeah, by the way, by the way, uh, yeah, there, we have some stories. We'll tell you later, Carl. Go ahead. No, but seriously, I think that whole idea of bringing in a new generation as a way to you know take new ideas, keep counsel from older people, but get younger people moving. I think it's I, I agree with you completely. And Carl, final word. We just have a few seconds. Go ahead, Carl Rove. Well, I, you know, I, I just think there's a desire in the country. Now, whether it gets exemplified in our political system is another thing entirely, because people choose not just archetypes, but they choose from the individuals that they've given in front of them. And it may be that uh, it may be that uh, uh, that that's that, that this doesn't come to pass. But I do think that a party that had a new face with energy that could say, I'm here and I will be here for the next eight years to lead our country is the party that, that might have the advantage in the 2024 presidential election. Someone like young at heart and a spirit of Peter King and Vito and, and Rudy and you, Carl. That's well, what I'd we say, need. I'd say, I'd say Vito more than to Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I think Vito would say that, too. <laughs> and Jack would say it as well. So it's a, a form of the little course. Thank you, Carl. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Carl. You know, for a while I liked you, but I don't know. I'm starting to <laughs> Carl, have a great 4th of July. Happy 4th, everybody. Happy 4th, Carl. God bless America. Happy 4th. Right. God bless Thank America. Thank you. God bless America, Carl Rove. And now let's go to Miranda Devine, because there's a lot of big developments on the Hunter Biden case. Miranda, thanks for being here. This is Rita Cosby, Captain Cosby. Um, Miranda, big news. I, I loved your column. You talked about sort of the word salad that's coming out between Garland and now the U.S. attorney, David Weiss. Uh, give us sort of the latest because uh, Hunter just uh, went away again. He's in Camp David again with his father. Yes. Hi, Rita and everybody. Um, yes. Well, of course, that's the way it is. And uh, I, I think that the problem that the Bidens have to contend with, and maybe that's why they're going to Camp David for these weekends, is so they can talk privately with lawyers about what's coming up, because there is a lot. Um, already, they've had the IRS whistleblower uh, on top of other whistleblowers. There's um, more whistleblowers to come with just as explosive evidence. Uh, we have Devin Archer, who was Hunter Biden's former best friend in business, is going to testify this month before, I think, the Oversight Committee um, a couple of weeks. He doesn't have much to lose. He's on his way to jail. And so I, I just think that despite the fact that um, the Bidens have the best lawyers that money can buy and they have a media that's quite willing to cover for them and write you know, glowing stories about Joe Biden still, uh, I think that the evidence is just so overwhelming um, that the American people are starting to question what actually went on during Joe Biden's vice presidency, uh, what was all the millions of dollars that went to his family for, how complicit was he in that scheme, and does it affect his ability to uh, work as president with our adversaries who are paying all that money? You know, Does it compromise him? Yeah, I mean, the whole sweetheart deal thing just stinks, Miranda Devine. You know, one of the things uh, the U.S. attorney, of course, who, you know, the whistleblower said, well, he didn't have the authority to do the investigation as fully as he'd like. He sends a letter on Friday and and I, I the verbiage is really interesting because he said, um, you know, that he said he did have full reign, but he said, quote, I was geographically limited. That's like um, that's like when you go on a first date and you're like, he's interesting. <laughs> that's code for like, uh, he's not that great. <laughs> well, I mean, 
he, he uses this language, and Merrick Garland did as well, it's ultimate authority. And when you think about it, you know, he then admits that he has, his, his charging authority is geographically limited to Delaware, where there were no charges apart from the gun charge that could be brought against Hunter Biden. Um, when you think about it, ultimate authority just means, you know, ultimately at the end of the stage, of multi-process stage, uh, you can get authority, and that's exactly what it was. He had to apply to the U.S. attorneys in Washington, D.C. and in the Central District of California to bring charges there because that's where, Joe, where Hunter Biden had lived. Um, and uh, when they knocked him back, he applied the appointed U.S. attorneys. They refused. Um, his next stage in the process was he had to go to the Attorney General and he had to ask for special powers. And again... Um, you know, it doesn't appear from this letter that he actually got those. He talks about, you know, I can, if I want to, get those powers. But that doesn't mean that he did get it and, and that he did request it. And there's no point requesting it now because Hunter Biden has the sweetheart deal. That's going to get ratified, barring a miracle, by a judge on July 26th. So uh, everything, the slate is wiped clean. So that letter that he sent showed how much pressure he was under and the fact that he slipped it out at 6 p.m. on a holiday Friday before the July 4 long weekend tells you that they're trying to bury bad news. He's just trying to, to sort of give himself some plausible deniability because the Republicans yep. are insisting that they're going to call everyone to testify about who's telling the truth. Absolutely. Uh, Miranda Devine, you keep up the great work. Uh, thank you so much and happy 4th of July, my friend. Great to have you here. You too. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you. Wow. What a great show. And you guys love having you all here. And even you too, Peter King. We even love having you too, you right? Too. <laughs> hey, man, don't keep beating up on my dear friend, Peter. Oh, are you defending him in front of Vito? This no. is- <laughs> First of all, I don't mind you being against me, but how anybody can support Vito Fasano is absolutely beyond me. I carry this guy through Congress. Oh, but we love you all. What do we all stand for, especially as we're heading into 4th of July, guys? God, Truth, just, justice, and the American, American way. And God bless. Happy God bless America. God bless America. Happy Fourth of July, everybody.